Hi, everybody. How are we all doing? It is so good to be finally talking to you again. Uh, I missed you. Did you miss me? You did? Oh, thank you. That just warms my heart. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, i got to start off uh, up top here just with a, a real quick apology for the internet radio silence as I've been dealing with a ton of new things in both my personal and professional life. Uh, mainly three things that I would like to cover just before I get to today's episode. First off, started a new job. I will be running brewery, distillery, and coffee tours for a company called Road Dog Tours here in Seattle. Mainly leading brewery tours and bartending. It's something I'm actually really passionate about, and I feel really, really lucky to have landed a job like that. Uh, I get to perform with a pretty great degree of creative freedom, and I truly do love beer, so it works out pretty awesomely. Secondly, I have been cast in a play produced by Ghostlight Theatricals here in Seattle. We've been rehearsing for a few weeks now. It's called Kayfabe, Scenes from a Squared Ring, uh, written by Andrew Shanks, directed by Marcus Williams and Danny Hobbs. Uh, it combines Greek myth with pro wrestling to create a unique world where myth and legend play out in the wrestling ring of the PWW, the uh, Pantheon World Wrestling League. In the wake of the death of the legendary wrestler Antaeus, played by yours truly, his children come together to tackle his legacy and try and create something meaningful out of tragedy. The play has been just an amazing experience, and I'm so thankful to both the cast and the crew involved, uh, everybody involved in this with Ghostlight, it has just been a really amazing opportunity so far. It's really helped me turn my own life around, honestly. Just help, partially helped by the fact that I have a role to prepare for. I've gotten a lot more into fitness now, and it's led me into some other awesome things, which I'm going to get to talk about in a second here. But um, seriously, everybody, uh, Andrew, uh, Marcus, if you're listening, thank you so much. Danny, thank you, seriously. Um, but uh, uh, it opens March 9th at the Ballard Underground and runs till the 24th. Uh, you can find tickets at ghostlight.strangertickets.com. That is, again, ghostlight.strangertickets.com. Which brings me to the third thing. So partially in inspiration, what inspired me to do this is that I, was, uh, I wanted to prepare for my role in kayfabe. But it led me to discover the, uh, what is, I found out, the only Lucha Libre school here in Seattle called Lucha Libre Volcanica. Uh, Lucha Libre Volcanica trains luchadors and puts on monthly shows at Evolve Fitness here in Seattle. That's E-V-O-L-V. Um, for diehard fans of Mexico's unique version of pro wrestling. Uh, Lucha Libre is a spectacular, uh, athletic style of performance that emphasizes technical skill, uh, acrobatics, uh, and of course, you know, the masks are a huge uh, thing with Lucha Libre. Uh, training with them under the tutelage of Professor Jose Gomez has combined all the rigors and the strains and the uh, exertion of any diehard martial art class or stunt training with the drive to creative expression that I have found in the best acting classes at college. Um, I could absolutely go on, but I'm going to have to save that all for a future episode uh, or a near future blog post, uh, likely both. So stay tuned for that. And uh, if you can, please uh, look up Lucha Libre Volcanica 
uh, on Facebook, and you can find where their uh, monthly shows are. They have one coming up on February 24th, I believe. Um, I'll make sure to put that info in the show notes. Anyway, uh, this episode is one that I have just been really terribly excited and kind of nervous about bringing you for months now. Uh, It's been constantly delayed due to various factors, both mine, (laughs) my fault, and not, but uh, through various factors, it's uh, taken a long time, but I'm I'm finally able to present you with my interview with Sam Hargrave. Uh, you remem- you may remember us geeking out about Sam during our Winter Soldier episode. He was, at the time, the uh, stunt double of Chris Evans, Captain America. Uh, he's also been the second unit director for Captain America Civil War, Atomic Blonde, and opening May, the long-anticipated Avengers Infinity War. A couple of his other uh, credits for stunts include Ray's, uh, Hunger Games, Catching Fire, Hunger Games, Mockingjay Parts 1 and 2, Brothers Grimsby, Suicide Squad, The Accountant, The Saint, um, and Avengers Part 4 coming up after Infinity War. Just to name a few, you should check out his IMDb uh, if you get a chance. But uh, I am just, I'm so honored and in the debt of Sam for him taking the time to talk to me. Dear listeners, without further ado, please allow me to introduce Sam Hargrave. Want to fight? We'll give you a fight. Welcome to Fightcast. Hey, everybody! How are we doing, Fightcast listeners? Um, I am here with an episode that I have been working on now for a couple of months and uh, failed the first time I tried, but. It's a long story. We're gonna, we'll get to that eventually. The point is, I have with me today a Hollywood stunt coordinator, fight choreographer, stunt double, uh, second unit director, um, a it's, let's just call him an all-around uh, big shot here. Uh, Sam Hargrave is on the podcast. Say hi, Sam. <laughs> hey, podcasters. Sam Hargrave here. How you doing? <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, so, Sam, uh, I've been—I uh, wanted to talk to you for quite a while, and um, uh, though the listeners may not know, uh, we attempted this once before. Uh, we got a whole show in about an hour's worth of audio. Um, uh, but up front, I gotta say that because I was um, illiterate when it came to uh, the intricacies of recording software, didn't get uh, didn't get your side of the audio. But we have you back here now today, so uh, we're gonna give this a real uh, actual shot here. Anyway, um. Hey, it happened. Yeah. Yeah, it happened. It, it totally does. It totally does. And uh, I'm going to be laughing heartily at, with you at this uh, years from now, I'm sure. Um, anyway, um, so what I wanted I'm to sure. – I wanted to uh, get started here with uh, what can uh, – p- people can have seen your work uh, on some very high-profile projects. Uh, you were – uh, Captain America stunt double, and uh, you were uh, Chris, stunt, uh, Chris Evans's stunt double for Captain America in The Avengers, uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Did you work on First Avenger? I did not. I was not in the in the Marvel fold at that time. 
I didn't join until I did the first Avengers movie in 2011. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, but I mean, since then, you've also worked on, uh, 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 like I said, Captain America: Winter Soldier, um, Avengers: Age of Ultron, I believe, uh, and also a Captain America: Civil War. You were the second unit director for that film as well, if I recall. Uh, yeah, I did a little bit there. Mostly on that film, I was the stunt coordinator, fight coordinator, and I also doubled Cap on that show. Ah, fantastic, man. And uh, most recently, uh, we can have seen your work both uh, uh, behind the camera and in front of it uh, uh, recently with Atomic Blonde, uh, starring Charlize Theron. Oh, it is it is Theron, actually. It is not Theron. It is Theron, correct? Yes. Yeah, she, she pronounces it Theron. And so I figure if she does, I will as well. Perfect, perfect. Uh, so listeners out there, if you've been pronouncing it Theron, watch your back, man. She's going to come after you. <laughs> For sure. She's a super nice lady, although she is a total badass. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get to that in just a quick second here. But uh, so, Sam, um, you're, you're kind of a huge deal right now. Um, and you're going to continue being a huge deal. I, I think we're all pretty well assured. Uh, but how did you get into this whole thing? What made you decide that you wanted to put your neck on the line for cheap thrills and entertainment? Well, um, you know, if you follow me back long enough, it's, uh, it's funny how, you know, hindsight, you, you get to see all the pieces as they've been kind of falling in place throughout your life. And I started, I grew up uh, on a horse farm, had a brother and a sister, and we, we were always um, kind of, we loved westerns, and we would always recreate these, uh, you know, action sequences that we would see in these old westerns or reruns. And so, and I never really thought about it. It's just something we did for fun. But it, you know, you're building this uh, creative mindset and a way of entertainment. And I, from there, I did some uh, some martial arts, and that led me to Jackie Chan movies and, yeah. and the Hong Kong cinema that I fell fell in love with. And uh, that inspired me to you know to take martial martial arts further, and then start looking into a career in in performing and film. I did some live shows in uh, North Carolina, where I'm from. Excellent. And then I went to film school and. Uh, it was there that everything started to kind of come together and start to make sense as to my career path. Although I never really um, thought about stunts as a uh, career path until my friend Thayer Harris kind of took me aside because I wanted to do what Jackie Chan did, which was, you know, write, direct, do the stunts, act, do all of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my buddy... <clears throat> Yeah, and uh, and to a degree, I do, you know, I have done all of those things at a professional level, but my friend, back when I was, you know, a senior in college, was like, you know, you're pretty good at this falling down stuff. <laughs> There's people in Hollywood called stuntmen that just, just do that, and you, what if you gave that a try? And so I, I took his advice, packed up my Honda Civic, which I still drive to this day as a side note. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, was, just to kind of... Keep me grounded. <laughs> Excellent. So we're what we're talking like a like a mid '80s, early '90s Honda Civic here. Yeah, it was a 1995 Honda Civic, red uh, four door. It, it's uh, it's a great car if you keep your timing belt and your oil changed. You're you're gonna run that thing for 200, 300,000 miles. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Honda, uh, if you're listening, you can cut me a check later. Thank you. Um, 
Cool. So you uh, so so you travel across the country. You get to L.A. in your uh, wonderful, reliable Honda Civic, and you uh, and you decide you're going to throw yourself into this uh, kind of you know this weird, deep, mysterious pool that is the realm of movie making. How did you kind of find your way with that once you got there? Well, I had um, I grew up doing martial arts from the time I was an early teenager, and so when I went to L.A., I was sleeping on couches and just kind of meet people and try to find an apartment. But to kind of keep myself afloat, I taught martial arts to uh, kids after school, after you know they got out of school. Oh, cool. And I would also do Spider-Man birthday parties on, on the weekends. <laughs> that, that's that's I fantastic. Was, meaning I would dress, dress up as Spider-Man and go to these birthday parties and, you know, make a couple hundred bucks and flip around, entertain the kids. Oh, my God. And you, you and I while, have a lot in common with that because I've yeah. done kids' parties as Captain America, oddly enough. So I, it's good to know that I share but, such humble beginnings with a professional like yourself, man. Yeah, you know, it's, you got you got to do what you got to do to put food on the table, and that was, that was my way in. I wanted to keep performing. I didn't want to get a nine-to-five job because yeah. I wanted to pursue the stunt side of things, and it allowed me to seek out all the different training facilities in Los Angeles and try to find people to train with and learn from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was very lucky when I got there. I met some great people that are still friends to this day, uh, most of them. And, uh, yeah, I got my, my first uh, SAG uh, job. I got my SAG car when I was um, – I think it was six or eight months in, which is very, you know, actually pretty quick for a lot of people. I was very fortunate. I mean, I was yeah. also ready. I did a lot of training and uh, preparation, but I got I got a lucky break, and I took advantage of it, and uh, it was on a show called Supernatural. Oh, excellent. I, I think did, our, uh, our listeners may be aware episode. of this. Yeah, I did the pilot episode, and then my next, that was the first big, feature and then after that the next big uh, sorry that was the first big tv show but then the first feature film that i did was pirates of the caribbean 2 excellent excellent and then it was on that show that i was exposed to a lot of amazingly talented stunt performers and coordinators and so that was where you know my career really started is meeting all those people and getting opportunities and then you know the from there it just becomes a like a reputation-based career where people hear about you and whatnot. And you kind of, if you're you know, doing a good job, people talk and they hopefully hire you. <laughs> Hell yeah, good to know, good to know. So, I mean, really, it's, a, it's, it's an exercise or it's really dependent on kind of being able to build bridges between people in the community and really be able to integrate yourself into that and everything. And it looks like you, uh, you certainly did, you know? Yeah, it's, it's important to be... Um, able to connect with people and um, I mean to me the, the foundation of all of it really is, is be a good person treat people well you know be humble and respectful and do good work and then you'll you'll find that uh, people will will want to work with you if you can kind of follow those general guidelines hell yeah and show up on time am I right <laughs> 
Yes, and if you're not early, you're you're late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agreed. So um, you get involved in Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, you uh, you kind of get yourself into the community and everything, and your your rep, your reputation builds and everything. Uh, what was it? Uh, what were the circumstances that got you involved in the world of uh, Marvel? Well. Uh, to be honest, I was doing a movie. I was doubling Justin Timberlake on a movie called In Time. Uh huh. And the the stunt coordinator on that show was being uh, asked to stunt coordinate uh, the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. And you know, he and I got along real well. And he he asked me if I wanted to come do that show with him. And I said I would love to. Now, ironic, at that time. They were doing the third installment of the Chris Nolan Batman series, uh-huh. and I got a phone call at the same time to go and double, you know, Christian Bale in the bat suit. Oh man! And so, so yeah, for me it was a, I mean, a really hard time. You know, a lot of people would laugh at that because like, oh yeah. Tough, tough problem to have. Do I am I Captain America or am I Batman? Big <laughs> tough, tough call. Which is true to some degree, and I'm, you know, there's no, there's no, um, what, no sympathy. It's a great problem to have. I just, there was a number of uh, factors that led me down the road of, uh, you know, going with Marvel. It was a, a, a budding franchise. They were start as a kind of a new thing. Uh, I'd always loved Captain America, the character, and the way, you know, his action and stuff. So I, I thought it was, there was and Batman was kind of wrapping up, and they've already established their style of stuff. So I thought there was more room for for growth both uh, for the character and me as a performer in the in the Marvel world and I think I I think the choice ended up being the right one. Yeah, uh I think that I can speak for all of my fans when I say that yeah, you made the right choice, bro. <laughs> um uh so um <laughs> just just saying. So um about the Captain America character and everything. I think that um I Many people can agree that when we say that some of the best on-screen fight work that we've seen from a Marvel movie took place in Captain America The Winter Soldier, uh, and you were heavily involved in that. So um, mm. where, at, at what points in the film can we see you in the cap suit? Well, to be honest, most of the time that uh, Cap is fighting or falling, if he's in the suit and wearing the helmet, that's me. Pretty much uh, the entire opening sequence on the the ship. Oh, uh, there was a few. Chris Evans came in for, for a few close-ups. We shot most of that, on, a lot of it on second unit, and it was. Uh, I did most of it, and there was also a double um, named Chris Brewster who came in and did some of the um, crazy gymnastic and parkoury stuff that he. So while we were filming simultaneously, he could he could do that stuff while I was doing some of the fight stuff. Excellent, excellent. So, um, j- backtracking a quick second, just a little bit of a jargon question. Can you tell our listeners what is a second unit when you're talking about movies? Right now, usually on big action movies like all these Marvel films or uh, you know, any of the big the big uh, films, they they usually divide the units into a main unit or a first unit, and then a, an action unit or a second unit. And uh, the main unit or first unit usually deals with actors. And dialogue and story stuff and some basic action. The second unit, which is the action unit, they usually do 
all the big car chases, fight scenes, wire work, basically all the fun stuff. So all the cool kids are in the second unit, basically. Yeah, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, out the first unit because their their job is important, but all the fun stuff happens on the second unit. <laughs> uh, absolutely, we don't doubt it. We don't doubt it. Oh, well, di- different kinds of fun. I mean, coming from a guy who's, uh, I mean, I've done both kind of the uh, actiony fight uh, stunt kind of things, at least when we're talking about live theater, and I've also, you know, been doing just mainly the craft, the, the nitty gritty acting stuff. So yeah, they're both fun, definitely, but just di- fun in different ways. Um, so going back to Captain America Winter Soldier, uh, can we reliably say then from you that you can kick George St. Pierre's ass? Can, can we like get that on record here on this podcast? Oh boy, I in the movies I can kick anyone's ass <laughs> because that's how I'll, I'll choreograph it that way if I if if I need to. <laughs> but if it came down to it, no, George St. Pierre is a world champion. He's the man. But the funny thing, uh, the crazy, amazing thing about him is he, he's got so much, he's so humble, and he has so much control of his body and his martial technique that he was an absolute pleasure to work with. He was, uh, it was the most fun I've had doing a fight scene in a long time. Absolutely. So, uh, listeners, you can go back to our uh, three-hour-long Captain America Winter Soldier episode if you want to hear us wax uh, absolutely geeky about both Sam's work and about George St. Pierre. I encourage you to do that and come back to this episode. Uh, so uh, do I have it right, then, that, that you choreographed that fight sequence, then, where uh, Cap and Batrock are facing off on the ship? You choreographed that? I. Uh, not all by myself. Uh, we... There was a team on the show, and the, the fight, actually the fight uh, choreographer, one of the fight choreographers was James Young, and he's been heavily involved with a lot of Marvel uh, pictures, and he, he does great work. And there was James Young, Chris Brewster, Aaron Tony, uh, and I, just kind of as a team, that was the core team um, who really, and Chris Carnell was the fight coordinator on that show. So we it was a, a team effort, and, I'm, you know, I would have, those guys would choreograph a lot of it. I would come in with some suggestions of, how I think that, you know, this might be a better move for Cap or this is something, you know, I do better or this would be a funny moment. Um, so it's a team effort, very much so. And uh, a lot of it was, uh, yeah, a lot of it fell on my shoulders to bring the, the movement and style to Cap just because I'd had the most experience with him on can- on film. Absolutely. I think that one thing I can point out uh, uh, from a performer uh, or, you know, uh, uh, just from a strictly acting kind of background is that uh, you're very specific. I mean, uh, going back and watching your stuff and knowing that it's you in the cap suit, you do such a good job of keeping the physical specificity of the character's movement. Uh, You move like cap. You don't move like Falcon, you don't move like Iron Man. You 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 keep a very specific kind of style of movement there. I mean, is is that something that's hard to maintain, or is that just something that's a byproduct of uh, all of the work that you put into it? Uh, well, first off, thank you very much. I appreciate into that kind of stuff in training, and and uh, I think a lot of that has to do with. Um, having an acting background as well with acting and, and performing is you, you're going to realize you're not just doing moves, you're portraying the character yeah. in the, in the physical, physical sense to all the actions. So you have to, I mean, I, you know, in a scene, I don't just go, Oh, where do I kick and punch? Where do I 
yeah. where I stand. I ask, like, what happened before this scene and what's going to happen? What's the, the mindset of the character? Because I'm trying to, you know, bring put all that in the mind so that we're, you know, the Chris and I are on the same page with the character. He does the, the dialogue stuff, and a lot of the physicality falls on me to, to bring that character to life. So we, it's teamwork there as well. Absolutely. That is that is awesome to hear. Everything I'm hearing about film when you're talking about it, it's just it's such a collaborative uh, art form. I mean, nobody's making decisions uh, purely on their own, except maybe the director at the top of the project, and even then, they have to listen to so many other people. Um, when is it always the case when you're uh, putting together a fight sequence for a film that it is that collaborative, or is it sometimes that you know one person comes in with kind of a vision or something like a recipe kind of written down, and you just follow that recipe? It really depends depends on the movie and depends on the people you're working with. I've been very fortunate. Mm-hmm. With, I mean, not everyone, but most of the people I've worked with are very collaborative, and it's a, a team effort. And I, you know, as I do stuff, you know, everything I I do, what I try to do, is always very collaborative because I know, you know, we don't make films in a vacuum. You can't. You're not doing this by yourself, right? You. You've got it's a team effort, and so sometimes you, you're so involved in one aspect that you forget, or you, you overlook something that could be, you know, a great moment or a very important thing, and that that's why you kind of rely on this uh, this team in the action world, like a fight team, or in the overall sense of filmmaking, a uh, filmmaking team, and it, it becomes like a, a very powerful. Uh, team effort meaning a collaboration where the best minds come together to put the best ideas on screen absolutely absolutely very well said man uh and listeners just uh, the movie goers in general just Please, PSA time, just try and keep in mind that whenever you're seeing something on one of your favorite movies, uh, whether it be Captain America falling into a car or, you know, Iron Man taking off or all the CG that goes into some of our favorite Marvel movies and that kind of thing, just remember, it literally took a city's worth of individuals to get that to you on the screen. So, you know, give give some love to those people. Stick through the credits, will you? <laughs> anyway, um, I uh, want to switch gears real quick. <laughs> uh, Appreciate well, one- that shout out. That's great. Of course, of course, you know, um, the, the, the more that, uh, the, the more that I appreciate this art, the more that I find out what exactly goes into it, and I'm amazed, I continue to be amazed at, at what it takes to really bring a film to the big screen, and, uh, you know, it's stuff that we're gonna remember forever, it's gonna be on, it's a matter of record forever, and I think that you've committed some really awesome stuff to celluloid, um, if I do say so myself, um, uh, of course, of course. Uh, switching gears real quick. So, Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde is one of your more recent, uh, uh, more recent films. Um, I gotta ask. So, uh, w- w- when we're talking about films, uh, that oddly enough, for Atomic Blonde, I feel like it was marketed. Uh, the marketing, at least that I saw on the film, had to do with a lot of, uh, okay, so this is a really awesome stunt-heavy film, and we're going to show you a little bit of what, about what goes into the stunts and everything, and look at all these awesome things Charlize Theron is doing. Um, it, it, w- this was a new experience for me. I don't usually have films marketed to me on the basis of their stunt work, but it made me want to see it even more, and then I saw it, and I was blown away. Um 
the, the, the question that comes up naturally is uh, how do you kind of integrate your principal actor with their double when it comes to kind of shooting these seamless, long-take uh, sequences? Uh, I'm going to come to the stairway scene in a second here, uh, but uh, it, are there uh, what are the challenges involved in doing that? Uh, well, there, there's many challenges involved in such an endeavor. I mean, the for us, with Atomic Blonde, the 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 challenge laid down by the director David Leach was he wanted a a, a long, you know, seemingly uh, a shot that seemed like it was done in one. There were no edits, no visible edits, so you couldn't cut around mistakes. So he just wanted to, to feel like, as an audience member, you were in the action with the character, which I thought was a, a great idea once he explained it to me. I remember when he first came to me and, and pitched his idea, I said, like, this is a terrible idea, Dave. Why would you do this? Yeah. Um, so originally, just just my assumption was that it you know, wanted to do it as a gimmick or just because it was cool or he thought it would be a fun challenge. And my, my MO is to always serve the character and story first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if this and that's just that's just the way I think, and I don't want to do stuff because it's cool or it's a gimmick. It has to fit for the story, and you know, I, I once he explained to me how you know it was all about the story, meaning he wanted the the audience to be in the fight with the character. I was on board as, as a great idea, and you've come to the right place. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, just, so then, specific. Specifically, sorry, to answer your question, I kind of yeah. got off track there, but okay. integrating the actor with the stunt double became uh, a part of our, our challenge. And, and we were very fortunate to have an actor as physically gifted and who would work as hard as Charlize Theron did. She was just a, it was a gift, really, to, mm-hmm. to have, you didn't, you know, she made us look good and she made our jobs easy because she showed up with so much enthusiasm and so much passion and talent. Like you, as much as as passionate as you are, if you don't have something to 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 you know use that passion with, or if the passion doesn't infuse talent, then it's it's kind of it's harder to get a, a great performance. But she naturally talented, super passionate, and so we were able to use you know ninety percent of that sequence in the stairwell is her. Wow. That is that's fan- oh are, what is the point where you have to replace an actor? Are there certain things that are kind of like non-negotiable for actors to do, or is it always specific to the project? Uh, it's there's there's a few speci- I mean a few overall guidelines that you just won't you know won't let actors do, but it generally it's specific to the project and specific to the actor. Yeah. For this. Uh, particular project she was game to do just about anything but there were times like there was a bit where she was the character was to get thrown down some stairs yeah um so we that was a point where we you know found a way to seamlessly insert the stunt double uh not that charlie's wouldn't be able to do it uh but the the what if factor like if she landed funny on her you know wrist or a knee or you know god forbid her neck then you're, you know, the production could shut down and everybody's out of a job. So it's a needless risk. Mm-hmm. There's no, and especially when her stunt double, her stunt double Monique Ganderton is such a great double and such a great performer, one of the best in the business. There's no reason not to use some, you know, such a great performer. So there was, you know, the stair fall, and there was a bit. There's other pieces where it just the 
the risk to reward factor wasn't uh, you know wasn't in the favor of her, so we would use the stunt double and and oftentimes you just get a better performance because the double is more well versed in those things. They know how to fall and make the impacts look better and it's safer and a number of reasons why stunt professionals are on projects like that. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and. I would, I'd probably fail a test if you asked me to pick out which was Charlie's and which was uh, her her stunt double. I probably wouldn't be able to do it because you guys are so good at your job. Um, watching, it's true. W- watching some of the uh, supplemental materials about that, you, you especially talk about like uh, the father figure sequence uh, where uh, the main character Charlize is uh, ambushed in in her apartment and everything. Um, and you you, you kind of talk a little bit about uh, some of the camera tricks that you get to kind of. Uh, sell the impression that, oh, uh, this pot is flying across the room and flies into somebody's face. Uh, so t- tell us a little bit briefly about how do you achieve the shot uh, of it, it – how did – in rough terms, I guess. How, how did you achieve the shot of um, both kind of like the, the, the hose hit to the face as well as the, uh, the, the Dutch oven flying across the room? And uh, ladies and gentlemen, just see Atomic Blonde and come back to us if you don't get the context. Yeah, go, go see the movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so for those things, the the, the hose hits and the the pot. Now, we, there's a couple of little tricks involved. The the hose hit was what we call a picture hit. Like there's a couple. The opening one to the face that was a picture hit where we we call we stack it, meaning we put the you know the performer getting hit in a spot and then we do the the person or the object hitting him in front of that person and we leave a safe a safe distance of 6 to 12 inches and then when you time it right with the uh, depth of field and the, the camera move and the performers acting it looks like a hit you know mm-hmm. it's, it's well um, practiced and rehearsed but then when it comes to the, the pot you know we there's certain things that's, uh, when the, what we wanted to see like this in a profile it's hard to kind of fake that so we had props mold a rubber pot so we could throw it and actually hit the stunt performer in the face <laughs> oh my so, so so that guy I actually think, um, he actually took just yeah. hits to the face all day <laughs> he did i think it was about probably 17 or 18 times to get that right oh my god <laughs> That is that that is unreal, and and yeah. and he and he was no worse for wear at the end of the day, or or like did he have to get taken care of, <laughs> taking pot to the face? Uh, you know, he he was a little in a little bit of um, redness, perhaps a little soreness, <laughs> but you know nothing. A little bit of ice and Advil wouldn't take care of. Excellent, listeners, follow your dreams. Pursue your heart's desire, and maybe one of these days you can take hits to the face from a rubber cooking pot 17 or 18 times, and you can get paid for it. (laughs) Yes, and have a great time doing it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, what other things kind of stood out for you uh, with that project? What were some of your favorite moments working on it? Oh, man, um... It was for me um, now, especially having done so many different kinds of movies, big movies, small movies. The most fun is when you get to work with people that you. I mean, obviously, on a project that is inspiring creatively and challenging, and is a good story, and you get a chance to do your thing. But just working with people that you know and love and enjoy being around. It's because you spend so much time with these people. It's like a family. 
there was a great group of people out there, great stunt team, great production team. I know the director, he's a friend of mine. So every day going to work was a pleasure. And it just, you know, you spend you blood, sweat, and tears you pour into these projects and you spend months away from your home. And so to have that time be with people who are good people that mean a lot to you and you have a, a the bond of friendship is, is a very it's a very powerful thing, and you, it's uh, something that's, from, by me at least, very much appreciated in this business. Hell yeah. Uh, very, very well said. Uh, what do you think would surprise the average fan, moviegoer, lay person about working on a film set? Uh, what, what surprised you the most about uh, the, the film industry as a whole? Oh, man. Um, surprised me as the film industry. I think, well, Part of what I, I mean, kind of the surprise is that we really, to be, to be honest, and this is not a, not a negative per se, but in a way it is for me, is, is the amount of uh, time, energy, and resources that can be, at times, wasted, um, meaning, you know, they build these huge, elaborate, amazing sets, and then they'll use them once, and then they just throw them away. Yeah. Um, or they'll, you know, you, you schedule all these things and they're like, ah, well, we're not going to do that. Um, but the funny thing is when you step back and realize this is where it was surprising to the artist in me. Yeah. When I stepped back and stepped back and learned more about the business, uh, I just discovered that it's a business mm -hmm. and this is where art and commerce come together. And, but the bottom line in, in these films, at least the, the bigger ones, you know, the, the blockbusters where it is about um, they do want to get the art, but it's also the money. Commerce oftentimes wins, um, and the the best films are the ones that blend art and commerce to make a, you know, I, I think Marvel does a great job with that. Like, they obviously have a, a money-making machine here, uh, but they also tend to churn out good stories, you know, yeah. entertainment that has, like, an uplifting, positive message. You've got... Uh, good role models, and I think it's a, a very positive thing. So I think it's a uh, a very good thing, and I won't say rare because a lot of films have done that. But Marvel, uh, just because we're relating it to what we, um, you know, my past experiences, has done a really good job with that. Yeah, agreed. Full once again. The um, the the thing that you know I, I I may hear some people talk about oh you know commercial arts no good and. You know all all these 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 big spectacle Marvel movies, but the, but the thing is that like, yeah, there there is a spectacle aspect to these things. But if you take a look at it, like in a, it, just for a second, kind of just beneath the surface, you understand that there are people who care deeply about this source material. Um, Marvel knows how to hand projects to people that care, that have love for it. I'm looking at the uh, trailer for Black Panther right now, and I can tell that. Ryan Coogler loved working on that movie. Just just based on everything I've seen, just from the trailers alone, I can tell that love went into that movie, and I can tell that from the Infinity War trailer that I saw as well. Yes. Um, you know there are there's not just flash. It's there is substance here. You know, and that needs to be respected. I think. Um, so jumping ahead to Infinity War, uh, <laughs> I gotta ask you. I, I I if you if you're not at liberty to say, please say. But like I gotta ask you. Are you the one catching Proxima Midnight Spear that is thrown at Captain America there? Uh, well, because that's in the trailer, I, I am at liberty to say. Um, no, that that's uh, that's Evans. He's uh, huh. he's the 
he's a badass grabbing that thing out of the air. Um, yeah. And that's one of, for me, that's one of the, yep, that's one of the moments that I got. Uh, there's like two, two or three moments in that trailer that gave me, give me chills um, consistently, and that's one of them. That's that's an amazing moment yeah. that the uh, Russo brothers came up with, and I think fans everywhere can agree that it's that's just. Yeah, a chill-inducing moment. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what are some other moments in that trailer that you can point out? Yep, that's definitely me right there. Uh, well, so now this, the you know, this goes to what we're talking about as far as me making transitions, going from you know doubling to uh, to coordinating and then second and directing on this in this show. Uh, in Infinity Wars, which it's crazy to say, this will be the first time in a while, I was never uh, on camera as a stunt double. I was the stunt coordinator, fight coordinator, and second unit director. But my brother, Daniel Hargrave, my younger brother, yep. I passed the mantle to him. And uh, so he is the stunt double for Captain America, which in a way I'm almost more proud of. Because it's my my younger brother, and it's just it's awesome. Hell yeah, I I would be insanely proud as well, man. And um, I can't wait once Infinity War comes out that I can really get into the meat of that film with you. Because I'm gonna need a I'm gonna need somewhere to direct all this all this nerd energy right now. Like I got somewhere I gotta have somewhere to put that. Uh, so I'll definitely have you on once Infinity War comes out. Well, hey, you call me. Yep. Yeah, call me. Let me know. I will be in a heartbeat because I, I got a lot of stuff to talk about with you guys too. I love it, love it, man. So wrapping up here, uh, we're coming kind of to the end of our time here. Uh, just want to say thank you once again for all the energy and the time that you uh, spent. You did not have to do this, especially after I uh, screwed up the first time. So uh, my listeners and I would all like to thank you, and I would like to dub you uh, the first ever saint of Fightcast. You are hereby dubbed Saint Samuel. <laughs> So uh, thank you, Saint Samuel, Saint <laughs> awesome. Samuel thank the you Patient, so Saint Samuel the Patient. I'll make sure to get a, um, a deified portrait of you somewhere uh, in the in whatever studio I have. Uh, but I just want to wrap up kind of with just one last question, and that uh, you know, going back and looking at your body of work, and it is quite a body of work so far. Uh, what would you say is the stunt or the sequence uh, that you're the most proud of right now so far? Oh man, I'll answer that in two two uh, separate um, answers. One for a stunt that I performed that I'm most proud of, and then one for a sequence I'm most proud of. Uh, I think the stunt that I'm most proud of was that I did on Civil War um, when during the openings, within the first ten minutes, when uh, Captain America and his um, other Avengers are, are stopping. Um, uh, crossbones? crossbones from you know making the heist at the yeah when they're stopping crossbones and and crossbones is firing he's on top of the the car and he's firing that uh, you know those grenades up at Cap as he's running down the hallway and that it ends with an explosion and Cap flies out of a window hits one roof then falls down to the oh. top of the truck and into the ground oh I winced I winced and so I was, think most proud of that yeah. Because of the, you know, that was designed, that was pitched by me. Like it was the explosion originally, was, it just blew him out of the, a window onto the ground. I, I came up with the idea to, you know, because of some of the, you know, Jackie Chan influences to do a stunt that was multi-level, a multi-level fall where he falls out and hits this, hits this, hits the ground. They went for it and then we had to build that awning 
placed the truck in the right place and put all the different, you know, hide pads. And it was, it was a very elaborate production. And so it pulled off, we pulled it off flawlessly in the film. And I'm, I'm very proud of that from start to finish as a, as a stunt. Amazing. So that's a human being doing that. That's, that's an actual person going through that sequence. That is, and not just any person, that is me <laughs> doing that yes. stunt. Yep, that is that me. Is, you are no ordinary person. Well done, sir. Sorry, I cut you yeah. off there. You were going to say? No, no. I was saying, and the sequence, I think, to date, is probably the, the stairwell sequence in uh, Atomic Blonde, just as a sequence of something that you know, choreographed and worked on and put together, that's probably my favorite, how it turned out. Um because of all the time and effort and collaboration that went into it and then the end product and there's no hiding anything in cuts. You can't blame the camera guy, you can't mm-hmm. blame the editor. We we choreographed it. I actually shot it like I was on set shooting it, you know, the camera and so what we wanted you to see, you got to see and people's reaction was mostly positive so that I'm very proud of that moment. Hell hell yeah. I mean sometimes you need it done, you do it yourself. Absolutely. Uh impeccable work my friend um and, and i did lie there is just one last question i wanted to Thank ask you. And, and that is um uh what what are any bits of wisdom that you would have for people like myself any uh, aspiring stunt people or actors who want to prove themselves uh capable of doing these kind of stunts people who want to be Charlize theron one day theron theron i said theron oh god <laughs> um, anyway uh what, what what is your advice for the people who want to be Charlize theron one day you know Well, uh, you know, if I sound cliche, but I, my, my feeling is, and I grew up being raised, that if you if you want to do something and it's something you love, don't let anybody or anything stop you from doing it. It's it's you have to pursue your passion. You have to do what you love, and once you've found that, and if if film is that thing or acting is that thing, you just got to do it. And you know, it's it's risky, it's scary, uh, but you know, if you stick with it and you, you believe. Um, believe in yourself and knowing that the you will you can find regardless of you know you may not end up being the jennifer lawrence's or the charlie's theron's uh necessarily but if you you know you can find a place in that world and you will if you you stick with it and you you know you, you give it everything you got because you love it hell yeah thank you wise words inspiring words from sam hargrave uh, thank you so much once again, man. On behalf of myself here, uh, everybody here at Fightcast, and all of our listeners, uh, you're uh, you're you're a saint, man. Thank you. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, David. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I look forward to uh, coming back on the show. Thanks so much for having me. All right, man. Take care, and uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, take care of yourselves and each other. Keep fighting the good fight. Hey there, fellow warriors. Sincerely hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. If so, it would mean the world to me if you checked out Hot Chocolate Media's other web content, Fang and Talon, a swashbuckling fantasy epic featuring HCM founder and former guest Kyle Decker with some fantastic fight choreography to boot, Super Academy, a gut-busting comedy about amateur superheroes, and The Movie Machine, an improv podcast where a writer, director, and producer create a hypothetical major motion picture based on a random prompt all in real time. Please check out these and more at hotchocolatemedia.net. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Now go forth and conquer.